Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Today, I'm really honored to be speaking with Klaus Badenhagen, who is a German freelance reporter in Taiwan, and he's been here for more than eight years.、Um, he actually、uh, goes by Taiwan Reporter, one word,、uh, whether by Twitter or Facebook or you know whatever social media. But anyway, let's meet Klaus first. Hi, Klaus. Hi, Shirley. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. And in fact,、uh, you, apparently, you're pretty familiar with our German service here. So it's not your first time here at the radio station. Yeah. So as soon as I first arrived in Taiwan back in 2008, and I tried to find my way around here, you know, we had the internet back then, and、um, I saw that Radio Taiwan International has a German service. So there's German reporters working here doing stuff in German. So I thought, yeah, I. Maybe I should meet them. And I just、um, got in touch with them, and they were very nice and asked me to come over here. I could use the studios to do some of my own recording.、Ah. So ever since then, we've had kind of a relationship here. Oh, great! So actually, you do go way back with RTI. <laughs> oh yeah, we do. All right. Well, before we get to talking about your life and everything, why you're here in Taiwan, you want to start with telling that story that has made an impact on you. I have to warn you all. This is a really sad story. So、um, if you are not in the mood, maybe you want to skip forward or go get a coffee. <laughs> okay. So it was about、yeah, maybe three or four years ago. At, at that time,、um, TV crew from the German public television came over here from our East Asia studio in Tokyo. And from time to time, I help them set up reports here. I get in touch with the people to interview, organize the shooting. At that time, we were reporting on the subject of stray dogs in Taiwan. And、uh, why are there so many? And why are some dogs pampered by their owners and you know driven around in baby carts, and others are abandoned and left to suffer? Basically, for that we also went to a dog shelter in Taoyuan, which was one of those places where all those stray dogs end up, and then they. Were kept there for a few days, and those who were not adopted by then were just killed.、Sleep. Yeah, they were euthanized, basically、mm. killed. And we met this one、um, veterinarian working there, a very, very charming, very nice young woman called Jian, and、um, she introduced us to her work. And she, she didn't like what she was doing. But、um, she、oh. said someone had to do it. I mean, she was taking care of the dogs that were there as well as she could, and.、Um, Trying to to heal them and to to make them healthy again, and of course to have them adopted. But then, because also their space was limited, every day basically she had to take a number of them and put them down. Lethal injection. We we did not film the actual act, right? But、um, we did film her taking one of those dogs out for the last walk and feeding it, and、oh. it was. It was really touching. I mean,、mm. thinking back to it, it, it's really still very moving. We really admired her because she was a positive-thinking person, and you could really feel that she she loved these animals, but she still had to do this. So、um, we did this report. It, it was shown on German TV, and then just one year ago, a piece of news hit me that said there's a young veterinarian called Jian from Taoyuan, and、um, she killed herself apparently、oh, no. with the same kind of injection that she used to give the dogs. And now it was not so clear why did she do it. I mean, maybe she was suffering from depression. Some people say she wanted to make a statement, like to show how we we treat animals in this society.、Aww. Some people say that she was troubled because she had been criticized by animal protection activists before, who called、Aww. her a dog killer. Even though she was recently married, I think she she did this. She took her own life. Well, it's not usual when you report on something. It's not usual that years later it comes back to haunt you.、Right? Normally,、yeah. you do it, and then it's 
Sometimes you keep in touch with the protagonist, sometimes you don't, but generally you move on to something else. But um, this story really came back to hit me big time and um, brought back all these feelings and went for the whole team. I told them in Tokyo. Uh, they made a little movie in remembrance of her that they also broadcast on the program. Yeah, this was really kind of story that I hope I will not be living through it right. so soon again. Well, Klaus, that really is very sad. How do you feel about that now? How has it impacted you? I think every experience you make as a journalist somehow shapes your approach to things. And this really made it clear to me that, well, first of all, the people you meet, that their life goes on after you do the report with them. And um, you never know which way it's going to go. I mean, before in Germany, I did TV reports. I did a lot of stories about um, consumer subjects, like people who were having trouble with the insurance company or people who were being ripped off by some bad businessman. And mm. so um, sometimes we were able to help them. So then you feel like, okay, maybe my reporting made a little impact on these people. Maybe it helped them in this respect. But you also don't know what happens after that. I mean, maybe, uh, I don't know, <laughs> year after that, terrible things happen to them, or maybe they become I'm a lottery millionaire. I don't know. So it, it just made clear to me that life really goes on. It's not limited to this little bit of reality that you cover in your reporting. Doing this kind of work, sometimes you are just after a specific soundbite. You know, you meet someone and then you talk a lot, but you really know you only need one or two specific sentences from them, the ones that you're going to use. When you do TV, it's also like that. You need to get these pictures and um, you ask them to I know, come through the door and sit down and it's like um, a bit functional. Um, mm. But um, yeah, right. You need to remember this. These are real people. Of yeah, course. right. Okay, well, to move away from this somber <laughs> topic here. So Klaus, you've been here in Taiwan for eight years. What brought you to Taiwan? Originally, it was not planned at all. And if you had told me in 2007, that 10 years later, I would be living here, I would have laughed at you really long and hard. So at that time, I was working as a TV journalist for German public TV in Hamburg. And one day, I just saw a note on the blackboard in our offices. Someone had faxed it there, and somebody else just put it on the wall. And it said, the government of Taiwan is looking for foreign journalists to come to Taiwan on a scholarship. Why don't you take three months to get to know Taiwan and take a Chinese class? And um, basically, all expenses covered. Ah. So when I saw that, it got me thinking, because first of all, I didn't know a lot about Taiwan. I had never really read up on it, just what you get from the news. But did you hear about Taiwan? Well, I, I knew there was Taiwan, <laughs> oh, and there was something going on with Taiwan and China and all that, and, and that <laughs> oh, it was an island, but maybe that was about it. Actually, I'd never been to Asia before, and I never, never, never thought about learning Chinese. Uh, this sounded so different uh, that I thought, yeah, why, why not give it a try? You can go there for three months. Go to a completely new environment. If you don't like it, it's boring. It's only three months. You can be back in your old life. Exactly. And so I just applied for that. And I think there were not too many people applying for that in the Hamburg office. So basically, they immediately said, yeah, okay, when do you want to go? And so that was March 2008 when I first came here. I was supposed to be here for three months. And I stepped out of the airplane. I was in the middle of the election campaign back in 2008 when oh, my yes. Joe got elected the first time. So there was things going on, interesting for reporters. And I took my first Chinese class and I got to know the life here. And so one thing led to another. And in 2009, I said, well, apparently there's an opportunity for me to work there because there are no other German reporters. No wonder we are hearing so little about Taiwan in our news. There's no one there to tell the stories. So 
well, I can do that. And uh, so in 2009, I moved here. And since then, I've been freelancing basically 98% reporting about Taiwan in German for German media. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. Before we talk more about you and Taiwan, let's go back a little bit. Why journalism? You studied journalism, I'm, I'm guessing, in college. Well, I studied something called film studies, where we watched a lot of film. movies and we <laughs> went to the cinema a lot and we talked about the movies and analyzed them. But after graduating, I applied for a trainee program as a journalist with one of our public TV and radio stations. And that's when I, I really got into the journalism thing. Oh, so you're also a movie lover. I mean, oh, yeah, that's why yeah. you studied. So at that okay. time, um, I was applying like to two kinds of, of jobs or programs, one connected to the cinema film industry, and the other was uh, journalism, um, newspapers, TV stations. And I was waiting for who would accept me first. And it just happened to be the TV station. So I became a journalist. Oh, I see. So actually, the kind of uh, reporting you do is not just print. It's also um, online. It's also radio, what used to be radio, and then TV and everything. Yeah, so, so I was I was trained to be a um, radio and TV journalist in this okay. trainee program. And after that, I spent a few years working as a TV reporter freelance in Hamburg. So I specialized on um, TV during that time. And then when I came to Taiwan, I, of course, I, I knew that I could not only rely on TV work. There would not be enough opportunities for that. Even though by now, web video and all that has developed in a way that there are new opportunities opening up. But uh, basically, I knew that I would have to also rely on radio reporting. We have a lot of quality radio programs, also interested in international behind-the-scenes news. And I also started writing articles again, which I had done as an, during internships during the time I studied before. So I already knew a little bit about that. But I'm not a trained print journalist. Do Germans love listening to radio even now, you think? If you look at the statistics, people still spend a lot of time listening to radio every day. Three hours a day on average. In the car or maybe in the office, radio is on in the background. Uh, we do have um, quite an evolved public radio system. So, you know, we have um, not only national radio stations, but we have those Commercial. for northern Germany, those oh, oh, for oh. Bavaria, those for western Germany. They have several channels and news channels. And uh, so I don't know how many people actually listen to these programs, but there are quite a few out there now. And of uh. course, since... They put everything online now. You can link to it and listen to it later. I think more people are probably listening to a good report nowadays than maybe 15 years ago. Oh, is that right? Okay. And you, you kept saying freelance. You prefer a freelance life rather than sitting in an office, a nine-to-five job, right? So the, the only time like I, I ever was a regular employee was actually during these one and a half years of the trainee program. After that, I immediately went back to being freelance. So I don't really know the alternative. But oh. uh, I know that I like a lot of the advantages it brings. I mean, I can make my own schedules. I can decide what I want to do, how much time I want to spend on what. I can choose when to go back to Germany. Usually I go back twice a year, spend a few weeks there. So I, I don't need to take vacation days with anyone. Um, <laughs> that's a big advantage. Of course, on the other side, you don't have the security aspect. You don't have the reliability you, of knowing every month you get a certain amount of money. And yes. uh, that's the other thing. But I think if it works out, if you can balance all that, um, I'm, I'm quite satisfied with the way it works right now. What kind of topics do you find most interesting to report on? 
Do you have like certain topics that you always enjoy reporting on? Well, it's it's really so varied kind of topics I cover here. It changes from one year to the other. For example, in an election year, <laughs> a lot of it will be politics. Sure. And um, how does China react to what's happening in Taiwan? In the time between, you need to look for other subjects and then something comes up. I mean, natural disasters, earthquakes, how can that happen? Or uh, energy policy is quite interesting. Also okay. because, you know, in Germany, we are getting rid of our nuclear power plants. And um, ah. Taiwan is by now one of the few countries who are also following through on that. Okay. Who, who say that they want to take that seriously and... But it's only in the talks at this stage. Yeah. <laughs> well, right now we only have one and a half of six nuclear reactors working and government says they want to invest a lot of money in renewables. So things are happening. Yes. Offshore wind power, German companies are part of that. That's something that I find interesting. The whole aging society thing, um, the situation of migrant workers in Taiwan, something mm. I'm very interested in because, you know, in Germany we had our immigration waves of migrant workers in the 1960s and 70s, a lot of people from Turkey. And then after the fall of the Iron Curtain, Eastern Europe, now if you have an elderly person at home who needs to be taken care of in Germany and you don't send him to a foster nursing home, home. Nursing yeah. home, very often you have women from Poland coming over and living in your house and taking care of your so father, care. mother, grandpa. Yeah, housekeeper. And, and, and here in, in Taiwan, it's... Um, Indonesians and Filipinas and comparing their situation, for example. And of course, there's some problems in both places as well. I mean, some Taiwanese, I think, see them as a source of like, cheap labor, but um, mm. maybe they don't treat them as well as they could, giving them days off, demanding that they are supposed to stay there 24 hours seven days a week, not letting them go out and meet other fellow countrymen. Yes. Um, I, I hope this is a minority, but um, it's still something that sticks out and that I think should be addressed. Klaus Baudenhagen definitely has more to say about migrant workers in Taiwan in comparing to his own situation in Taiwan. So we're going to hear him talk about all that next week. Do join me next week on In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. <laughs> Taoyuan City is holding a talent competition for migrant workers interested in singing and dancing. Call 02-2366-1368 by June 30th to sign up for the event. There will be a maximum cash prize of 14000 Taiwan dollars. This ad is sponsored by the Taoyuan City's Labor Department. <laughs> 